Okay, we are live, episode 116. I've got Brittany Fuse, Malibu Milk, like that. Uh, Chelsea Parr and Kelly McCormick, Proteo. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks. Brittany, you got to give it to us. What are we talking about? When did the company start with Malibu Milk? We are talking about the world's best, tastiest, and healthiest sustainable milk, organic flax milk. Okay. Started about two and a half years ago. Two and a half years ago, flax milk. Um, interesting. So, uh, where did that idea come from? How did that, you know, get started? Where we, you know, what, 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 what was the legs on that? Yeah. So. I was actually trying to get pregnant and like a ton of other people, I was having some issues and I went looking for a clean milk alternative. And that's when I discovered that almond milk is just almond flavored water that, that requires a ton of our natural resources, a ton of water, 20 gallons of water to make one glass of almond milk. And I also learned that most oat milks are covered in glyphosate, AKA weed killer. And that most oat milks, a glass of oat milk is worse for you than a glass of Coca-Cola. And I felt like there's got to be a better answer. I was looking for a clean allergen free alternative milk and there really weren't any. So I created my own using the whole ground organic flaxseed. Got it. Um, does anybody do that? Was anybody doing that before? No one is making milk using the whole ground organic flaxseed. Got it. Is there such thing as flax milk? Again, there I've is. never seen it. Okay. Yes, there is, but it's made using flax oil. Um, the leading like competitive brand of, that makes flax milk, they use flax oil. So they don't have fiber. Like one of our main nutritional components is four grams of fiber per serving. If you're using flax oil, you're not getting any of the fiber and the protein that the whole seed carries. It's what I would have uh, uh, sort of thought about was fiber, uh, what would have been, the, you know, as the nutritional value. Is there protein derived from it as well? Yep. Fiber, protein, omega-3s, um, a wealth of nutrition. Is it uh, white? What is the final product look like? I'm at, this is just where we're talking yeah, about. No, it's a great question. It is white. It's a, you know, it's like an off-white. It's like a creamy, creamy whitish color. Okay. Um and where would they find this when you first started? Were you doing this at a farmer's market? How did you, was it in the, what looks like the, the bottle that it is now? How, how did that no. happen? Okay. No, we've had several different packaging iterations. This is our shelf stable package that you can buy on our website, um, malibumilk.com. We also um, have a refrigerated PET 32 ounce bottle. That's what we launched with. We launched with the product in Air One here in Southern California and in Whole Foods in Southern California. Shout out Air One and Whole Foods. Um, are you in Malibu? This very moment? Yes. No, I grew up in Malibu. I, I, I live on the West side now, but not in Malibu. Okay. I had to, it just had to be something <laughs> about that. Okay. Um, is this something that people understand right away or did you, again, two years ago, are you having to stand in front of people to have them try it and give them a little bit of information as to why this may be a better option? It's a great question. Usually 
um, I would say there's a little bit of education that is involved. You know, everybody knows what almond milk is. Everybody knows what oat milk is. They don't know the truth about almond milk and oat milk being so unhealthy. Um, so as soon as I kind of dispel those truths and offer an alternative, that's not only incredibly tasty, but healthier for your body, healthier for the planet, then it's a no brainer. Yeah. Um, I do you, I, I don't drink milk cause I can't. Um, people think it's funny when I say, cause I have the Jewish tummy. They try to make fun of me. I just do. Well, you could drink black milk. This would I probably can. And I do drink um, what I do have in my refrigerator, of course, is almond milk. And I know of the storyline and stuff like that. I, I totally get all that. Um, and then as far as like an oat milk, um, I just saw, you know, earnings for, for, you know, a company that people would know with oat milk, right? They sell a lot of oat milk. I mean, I don't care about how much cash they lose every, you know, month, but they sell a lot of oat milk. So there are people out there who buy this stuff. Yes. Um, and so there definitely does need to be alternatives because the things that you have said, they're actually factual, um, you know, some are better. I would say that some are better at this process than others and are keen on the things you've identified, but there's just the reality to, to how they're processed. Yeah. 40% of U.S. households today are buying alternative milks. That's a growing number. It, you know, it's, it's been growing drastically for the last 20 years. Started out with a soy milk, then it went into almond milk. Now oat is taking over the almond milk space. Cause customers are looking for clean alternatives that, that taste great. And I think they're also becoming, you know, more aware of the nutritional profile of these products. And there's nothing like our flax milk. When you first uh, were able to get into, let's say, Air One, you mentioned Whole Foods. Is it the region or is it SOPAC region? Is that what you yeah. mentioned? Great. Yeah. So did you just bring it to them in that sort of form and say, you know, walk us through that, especially for those that are starting out and really have something innovative and they want to get in front of what really is a natural, everybody that's very natural, that's the natural buyer, which makes total sense for this. Um, that's, again, you got to be where your customers would be at. Don't get caught up in the stories about door counts and all that. So, so right. go ahead and walk us through that process. So, like I said, I had this idea. I knew I wanted to call it Malibu milk. I liked alliteration and I had little samples and I decided kind of out of nowhere, like I'm going to reach out to Whole Foods, like, like first, first and foremost. I had zero experience in the CPG industry. I knew nothing about margins, distributors, pricing, like all foreign to me, but I figured I'll reach out to Whole Foods. It'll probably take six months to get a meeting. I'll get my ducks in a row in the meantime. I got a response about a week later and she said, come on in next week. I panicked um, and I called a friend of mine who has a product in Whole Foods and I said, I think I need to cancel. And he said, do not cancel this meeting. You might never get this chance again. So I took the meeting. I went in with little samples from my kitchen. I had no professional packaging. I, I, I did have mock bottles made up by a designer. And there's like a, a place in Texas called virtual packaging that can like make anything look real. But the samples were in little, you know, containers from my kitchen. And I went in and the buyer tasted the products and said, I'd love to get these in stores in the coming weeks. And I said, well, I, I can't do the coming weeks, but I can definitely do the next couple of months. And the timing actually worked beautifully because I got to go into my first manufacturing run knowing that Whole Foods was gonna be a customer. 
Very cool. Um, there is a lot to be said about that. You um, definitely don't want to cancel meetings. I, I, I like that. Uh, if you get the opportunity, um, you say yes. Uh, and then you just tell them the real story. Remember, transparency always works. Um, and the, the, the thing is, every uh, retailer is, is a partnership. So the partnership should start off that way as far as transparency. What do you have? What don't you have? How am I going to get it? Where is it going to come from? And if you can make good on that, then, then it is what it is. So that's number one. Two is don't be afraid of renderings. I mean, we use renderings. So um, it, it's, 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 you know, somebody, yeah, but you've already started. Yes. But, but again, in the same vein, we show what it will look like. Um, so don't be too worried about that. Just make sure you make good on the physical product to make sure that it is what it is, you know, that you showed them the like. Um, second thing is, um, co you, you mentioned a co-packer. So how did you start that process? I'm assuming, did you manufacture some of this in your kitchen at first? And how, <laughs> no, okay, good. And how did you transition and find a co-packer that wanted to do something like this for you? So finding a co-packer was probably the most challenging piece for me. Um, I This was pre-COVID, so I started just attending CPG networking events. And I'd go in, I'd find other manufacturer, you know, founders who were making beverages. I started asking them where they were producing, figured out that there was a, a, a place that I could do it in Los Angeles that, that absolutely could produce my formula. And so they were my target, but they wouldn't answer the phone. I kept calling them and emailing them and they would ignore me because these places are, are very busy. They're usually booked, you know, months out and they don't want to talk to you if you're a small fish, they want to play with the big guys. So I figured out, I, I, there was a person that I knew at a big CPG brand who was running there, I made her make the introduction for me so that they would be kind to me and at least pick up the phone. And then once I finally got the guy on the phone, I got to know him a little bit. I figured out what his favorite kind of beer was. I sent him a care package. Then I was in good, secured some line time and started running right away on professional equipment because I wanted to be able to scale. This isn't something that I just wanted to do locally. I wanted to be able to scale nationally as fast as possible. Uh, you are always selling is a key thing that I talk about. You're always selling. And as a founder, um, you have to take that to heart and really understand that. Specifically, if you're talking about co-packers, they, you have to remember that number one is they say no a lot. It's oftentimes because they get just those calls and they can tell off the bat whether or not you're going to be a player or not. It's just fact. It's, it's you're selling. Two is if you're on that call, that's the whole point is to try and make sure they understand you are. You're the next rock star because remember the thing that they do want. They currently have a business operating of which they have four or five key accounts. I'm just using number. Yeah. And then they've got the ones that come and go and come and go. And they do. They come and they go. Those are not profitable accounts for them. It's a pain in the ass, if anything. So be the next rock star and really sell that through and do as you did when you were walking in for the first meeting and everything else, transparency, but build the confidence, build that confidence with them. And they will, they'll give you not only the line time, but then again, it evolves into something that you will need later, a really strong, strong partnership. Right. So, um, 
Let's now talk about where we are. We're, it's uh, it's middle of November. So you've got these key accounts. What's next? What do you see as far as the next 12 months? What's next? I'm so glad you asked. Are these bad boys? So these are coffee and matcha lattes. They're ready to drink. They're made with our milk and organic coffee and uh, organic Japanese ceremonial grade matcha. So the best of the best. Um, Again, all organic ingredients, non-GMO. These are really special for a couple of reasons. Number one, they have no added sugar. So most ready to drink coffee matcha lattes are loaded with sugar, loaded with calories. These have no added sugar, they're low in calories and even more special, these are loaded with fiber. Seven grams of fiber per serving. These are the number one way to go number two. That makes sense to me. Uh, it does make sense to me. Uh, I like that. And I like where that can go. That category, of course, is growing, um, definitely growing. And so that also, is that shelf stable? I can- They're I, shelf stable. Okay. You can order them on our website or you can find them. We also just launched these in Whole Foods in Southern California. Uh, also, Bristol Farms is bringing them on this week, and they should be in Air One in like the next two weeks as well. Very cool. Good. Another great account, Bristol Farms. Shout out. Um, and very. And for those that don't know, that's very West Coast. By the way, Malibu is West Coast. If you don't know where Malibu is, you know Malibu. You know beach, like fun. Yep. Like, yeah. Um, roads, nice houses, stuff like that. Uh, I'm in Northern California, so yeah, when I go to there. Uh, so good stuff. I like that a lot. Um, I'm going to put your info on there. Everybody check that out. Of course, appreciate it, Brittany. We are rolling over. We got the duo here, Chelsea and Kelly, Kelly and Chelsea, Proteo. Uh, either one, take it from here. Let us know what it's all about. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Well, at Proteo, uh, we focus on total marketing and branding solutions, and they're really customized to meet our clients' needs. So we're unique in the fact that we function as a creative collective, uh, which is really just our dedicated group of diverse, experienced professionals. They include anyone from uh, designers and graphic artists to skilled retailers working as mass merchants all the way to specialty retailers and anybody in between um, and seasoned marketers who really know how to optimize and drive with results within those different various business channels. Um, our creative collective is always growing, and depending on our clients' needs, we really work to kind of pull in those collective members that um, are needed to create kind of the best team possible to help navigate both the deliverables and also then to achieve uh, the client's goals. So we really tend to work with clients in what I call growth mode, which is, you know, whatever that really looks like to them, we meet them there and then we help them scale and grow holistically, looking at both, you know, the, the marketing within the brand, but the brand as a whole. Um, for companies like Britney's, Malibu Milk, I mean, it's, it's amazing. I've been checking it out online. Um, we've, they already have so many great fundamentals in place in, in terms of your branding. Um, they look great online, the packaging and design communicate very simply and clearly. Um, your social media looks great. Uh, so for clients like that, we focus on expanding the digital presence and really digging deeper into that you know, whole identity piece, um, focusing more on your story, 
and um, you know, educating your customers because you do need a little bit of that education with a product like that, um, but really helping to tell more of your story um, and really kind of you know, just getting it out there to really grow your audiences and to reach more of your target markets and help to, to engage them. Um, and I'll, I'll toss it over to Chelsea to kind of expand on that digital piece a little bit. Mute. Hit just, the uh, mute um, Unmute there, Chelsea. It's all good. That's the new age. Oh, I had a printer going off earlier. I was trying to save you from that background noise. But uh, yeah, no, digital is totally where it's at. Um, in fact, everything, you know, really shifting over the last years, we found that digital is now often the primary channel that customers, you know, are engaging with brands. And because of this and these shifting trends, it's really critical for our clients to view all aspects of their business then through that digital lens. So even something like packaging, you know, which is translated through seeing it on the shelf, really now needs to exist in the digital space while keeping with the cohesiveness of the brand. And because of that, this has a lot of different businesses exploring how they can translate the in-person experience digitally. Um, so Porto has been helping clients execute this with innovative content builds, um, advertising campaigns, of course, but even leveraging influencers to promote that because it's all about translating um, the experience. Um, and most importantly, there are so many options out there. We got multiple platforms, countless recommendations coming in from all different directions. Uh, so really what we specialize in and what our clients really appreciate is that first and foremost, we take all of that and help them really navigate all that noise and choose the best solutions for their business, their budget, and the stage of growth that they're in. So that's what we're all about, but it allows us between our creative collective and kind of our unique approach um, to certainly adapt with the client um, as they grow. Very cool. I like it. All right. Brittany, Malibu Milk info there. Chelsea and Kelly, Proteo info there. Enjoy the rest of the week. Thanks. Okay. You too.